Welcome to a Calvary Montclair Sermon Podcast. It is our desire that you will learn of Jesus, grow in Jesus, and share Jesus with other people. Service times are on Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. and on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. For addresses and directions, please visit our website, www.cmontclair.com. We pray that you are blessed by the teaching of God's Word by Pastor Joe McTarsney. Verse 34 out of the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let your woman keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive by the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home. For it is shameful for women to speak in church. Or did the word of God come originally from you? Or was it you only that it reached? If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. But if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. So this is um, some interesting verses right before us, right? Right, women? I think we should just study John 3.16 this morning. <laughs> For God so loved the world and loved us. So why would Paul write such things? Why would Paul write such, such things? Well, we're going to discover that this morning. And uh, it's going to be an interesting discovery. It, it really, really will be. Even for me, as I was pouring over this portion of Scripture all last week, um, I've learned much. I, I learned much um, about it. Well, today we're going to learn six points of instructions for the Corinthians. Six points of instructions for the Corinthians back then for the people in their context. And this would apply to us also in, in our context. And um and even in different formats that we find ourselves in. And you'll, you'll see that by the end of service, it all will come together. Six points. The first point we will see in verse 34. The first point we will see in verse 34 is that the husband is to have his wife to be kept silent during service. Notice that with me in verse 34. Let your woman. So this is assuming that she's married. Let your woman keep silent in the churches. Why would Paul say that? Well, back then, the women would, would get it. They would understand it. They'd be like, oh, yeah, duh, of course. To us in the, first, the 21st century, we read this, we, and we can be placed on the defensive immediately. Especially that Paul in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 5 already said that it was proper and biblical for women to pray and to be used by the Lord and, and even prophesy. No, notice that with me. Um, skip back a couple um, chapters. Chapter 11 verse 5 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 5. I want you to underscore that and notice that with me. Chapter 11 verse 5 says, 
Every woman, so all the women, every woman who prays or prophesies. So there, Paul acknowledged that women have a place to be used by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so why would he write such a thing in verse 34 to let a woman keep silent in the churches? Well, it's very important, very, very, very important to know with respect um, of the context that Paul has been speaking about, to keep in context what Paul has been speaking about. And we know what he's been speaking about according to verses 29 through 34, verses 29 through 34, especially verse 29. Notice verse 29 with me, and we're just um, laying the foundation here as we're going to proceed forward. Notice verse 29 with me. For it says, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. So in context, in context, Paul has been speaking about the gift of prophecy, the gift of prophecy. And then he says, let your woman keep silent in the churches. Now, why would that, that be? Well, during the time, during, 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 during biblical times, as well as even in our times, it, it would appear that the major responsibility the major responsibility to maintain doctrinal purity, to maintain doctrinal purity in the early church, their responsibility was to judge prophetic messages. During this time period, they had a lot of folks that would come in the church and come out of the church. And so it had to determine, it's a group of people had to determine, okay, is this person that's giving the prophetic message, is it sound or not sound? Either yay or nay. And, and so, so if it's sound, um, there had to be some people that um, that responsibility would, would rest upon. The, the shoulders of that responsibility would rest upon actually the men, the men who were called to be the elders of the church. We see that according to the book of Titus. According to the book of Titus, we see that. So in Titus chapter 1, verse 9, Titus chapter 1, verse 9 says, Holding fast the faithful word. Holding fast the faithful word, which we've been taught, so that means that you have a foundation, it means that you have discernment. Notice that he, that he may be able by sound doctrine. He needs to know sound doctrine because people are going to come into church, they're going to prophesy. So a man needs to say, wait a time out, wait a minute here. Um, what you're saying is not biblical. So he needs to know sound doctrine, both to exhort and convict those who contradict. And, and so during this time period, the, the, the women in context, in regards and in respect to prophecy, they, they are to yield that over to the men. And so to discern if the person, what they said is sound or not. You know, when we handle scripture, when we handle scripture, it's always important to balance it with scripture. When we handle scripture, it's always important to handle with scripture and always keep it in context. Always keep it in context. Because if you would just kind of open the Bible um, out of the blue and then, um, and then you, um, especially for a female, and you, and you just open it and you just happen to read 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 34, and then and that verse, first part of that verse, you could read it and, and begin on the defensive immediately. Saying, what? Keep silent. I got to keep silent. What are you talking about, Paul? Lord, take me to heaven real quick, and I want to have some words with that Paul guy. You know, I'll show who's going to keep silent. Yeah, he's going to be keep silent after I hit him. Um, but when you keep it in, in context, you're like, oh, orale, I get it. 
I, I know when he's speaking in, in context in regards to doctrinal purity. And, and so the, the men were, 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 were called to, to um, make sure that sound doctrine was being maintained within the church. And so it's so important to keep in context, to, 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 to read a verse within the chapter, to read the verse within the chapter before, and read the verse in the chapter um, afterwards. And, and also something else to mention where um, the, um, our late um, Pastor Chuck Smith, uh, the founder of the Calvary Movement, and, and by the way, we, we, we um, celebrated his homecoming um, last Thursday, six years ago, and we, we carved out a portion of our service last Thursday just to speak about Pastor Chuck's um, influence and um, and different quotes that he has said and um, and uh, um, books that he has uh, written and especially has that have impacted my life and, and shaped my thinking and um, and softened my heart um, um, towards the ministry and so so um, Chuck Smith um, he, he would say this also and I want to throw this out there too he says when, when scripture is silent on an area it's wise for us also to stay silent as the secret things belong to the Lord. You know, there's some times where there's some areas where the, the scripture is is completely silent on it. And then and for us to to read into a scripture or for us to really kind of give our own opinion, I mean we can, but but it's not it's not biblically um, founded. Um, so there's some areas where the, the scripture is silent, so it's wise for us to say to stay silent um, on that t- um, subject until we get to heaven and as the secret things belongs to the Lord. Now, secondly, a, a second point to point out, and we're gonna see this in verse 35. The second point, we'll notice this in verse 35, where it says women are asked, the women are to ask their husbands. Women are to ask their husbands. Um, Notice that in verse 35. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for the woman to speak in church. Now, this is a verse where it's important to know the, the setting that uh, it, it related to back in the days of, of Corinth. And, and so, in, in the early church, in the early church, as the early church was founded, and, and um, w- what they did is they, they followed the, the pattern of the Jewish synagogue. And the pattern of the Jewish synagogue, some of you may know this, is that um, the, the men sat on one side of the room, and the women sat on the opposite, on the other side um, of the room. And that's how it was. That's how the, the learning was um, back in the day. And, and so what you have is that you have in this um, verse right here, you, you have a woman that's sitting on the opposite end of the church service, if you will. Um, and she's sitting at the opposite end. And then you have the minister um, sharing the scriptures. And so let's say the minister, minister says um, a word, a term, a biblical term, say like the word sanctification or sanctified. And, and so what you have then, um, you would have, say, Wilma. Let's say her name's Wilma. Um, and let's say her husband's name's Fred. <laughs> Fred and Wilma. Um, so, yeah, Wilma over, Wilma over here, and the minister just got done saying um, uh, sanctification or um, um, sanctified. And, um, and she's not familiar with that term. So what she'll say is that um, um, out loudly... She will call out to her husband in the middle of service and, and say, Fred, Fred, Fred. Yes, Wilma, in the middle of church service. 
and it's not being done decently, not, not in order. Um, that's chaos, and that's disorder. And so she would say, what, what does sanctification mean? That minister, he says sanctification. What does that mean? And so they're like having a full-on conversation on one side of the church to the other side. And so that's the setting. That's, that is a setting in verse 35. And so that's what it is saying that it is shameful for the woman to, to speak. Yeah, it is shameful. Same thing for a man to be speaking on the other side of the room too. It, 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 it's, it's shameful it, because it interrupts the flow of the peaceful service that's supposed to engage in the thought processes of everybody. And, and, and so it'll be like now, you know, the, the, your thought process is being engaged with the scripture and the Holy Spirit is and, and, um, illuminating the scripture to you. And then someone just like stands up and starts talking or over there, it, it's going to uh, distract, disturb um, the, the, the flow of the spirit, the flow of your thoughts as you are um, being fed the word of God. So, so we get it. We, we get that. Now, in the 21st century, we, we don't have that um, problem necessarily because, you know, the um, husbands or, or wives, um, in this context, it is a married couple. They, they sit next to one another. And, and so uh, if, uh, if I say something that's, um, I don't know, a, a biblical term on, um, uh, or say justification, for example, I just say justification and someone may not know what it is justification or glorification, um, one of those biblical terms or eschatology. And, um, and so there, uh, a, a wife or a husband, you know, but in the context of a wife, you know, she may say, I don't understand what uh, justification is or glorification or eschatology mean. And so she may write it on a piece of paper. Um, and then she, and she, to give it over to her her husband, or or she may just note it down, and then and then when she gets home, she she may ask him, and, and so. But even if she's you know she could write that on a piece of paper, and and hopefully um, um, they're not playing tic tac toe in church, um, <laughs> but um, but she writes that that, that question, and, and so so that's how we handled it in twenty first century. It, it, it's practical. So the setting that we are in today is not the setting um, back back in the day. No, there's a, a, a scenario I just want to pitch out to um, pitch out there because this is in context speaking of a married couple because we see in verse 35 where it says their own husband, um, O W N, their own husband. So here's a what if, and we could do what ifs and and all day long, but I, I think it's appropriate to do a couple what ifs. Now, what what if what what if um, she is to um, ask? Um, uh, uh, what if she doesn't have a husband? And so she, she's single, she, she's attending, and she does have a question. And so who is she to ask? Well, at that point, she is to ask her male covering, whoever, whoever is her male covering. Um, it could be a father, and if he's not there, a, a grandfather. It, it's someone that it could even be a brother. And um, now what if she would ask them and he does not know the answer? Or say that um, she is married, and but he's not a believer and he, he's not attending a, a, a church. And so what do you do in that case? Because those things do happen. Those things are relevant in, in our day and age that we live in. Well, I, I want to suggest a few practical steps that can be taken to find out the answer because if she legitimately has a, a, a biblical question and, um, and it's, it, it's important for that question to be answered, there's a few um, things that she can do. Number one, she is to um, ask her pastor after church. 
ask your pastor after church since he's the one that said that term um, or has a question about a biblical matter. That's number one. Number two, be, because of this day and age that we, we, we live in and because of radio and the, and the internet that, that we have, um, there's a program that airs Monday through Friday called The Pastor's Perspective on K-Wave, right? 107.9, and it airs every day from three to four. And you could literally call The Pastor's Perspective and, and note down your question and say it's it's a question on eschatology. Like, you know, what does eschatology mean and um, or justification, what does that mean or glorification? You could do that. Even now, now they're, they're fielding questions through Facebook. You can go on your Facebook and just ask that question to pastor's perspective, and and, and they'll they'll answer it. And, um, and one of the men that leads that is Don Stewart, and um, and he will actually be here um, at the end of December um, for uh, with us again. Uh, he happens to to love our church, and so he loves to equip us for the works of service. And so you, so you could call pastor's perspective. Um, and then um, number three, um, I, I suggest some websites, some websites, and I, I presume that majority you have access to the internet. If not, I know at the library you can gain access to the internet or you can go to like a Starbucks and get a Wi-Fi and then get gain um, access to some website. So here, here are, are four websites that, that I highly recommend that I personally use and that if, if I'm stumped by something and I'm doing some research, I, I go to these four different websites myself to equip myself so I could equip others. Number one, I, I go to a website um, and it's Charlie's Campbell's website. And Charlie Campbell, he's been here at our church a couple years ago, and he has a ministry called Always Be Ready Apologetic Ministry. Always be ready, because the Bible speaks about to um, always be ready to give a hope for the answer that lies within you. So you should always be ready, and and that website is is available, um, alwaysbeready.com. It's a great website, and has so much information on um, questions that believers will have, and there's just article after article, and it's all free, and that's what I love about Charlie. It's it's all free. Secondly, there's another uh, website and, and organization um, called Christian Apologetics and Research Ministry. It's called CARM, C-A-R-M dot org. And um, there at CARM, they have a, a lot of rich um, information too for the believers to, to know what they believe in, why. And then um, some of you have heard of Ken Ham. Ken Ham, um, he has a website um, called AnswersInGenesis.org. Um, he's the one that, um, through his organization, built a real live size um um, Ark, uh, Noah's Ark size and, um, uh, out in the Kentucky area. And so um, if you ever out, happen to be out in the Kentucky area, um, you may want to visit um, his, his ministry. And then lastly, we had had uh, his son here at our church. Um, we had had um, Sean McDowell. Well, his dad um, has a, a wonderful uh, webpage called uh, josh.org. And Josh McDowell, um, and he has so many articles and he wrote a book um, evidence demands a verdict and and so um, so so with us in the 21st century we're really now without excuse to find answers for for the questions that that we have so I want to point out um, those those what ifs because that's relevant it's 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 real and so the third practical point that um, Paul um, shares with them and and for us that we are to be aware of it's found in verses 36 through 34 and verses 36 to 34, we're going to um, learn that all scripture is given by the inspiration of the Lord. Notice with me verses 36 and 37. Paul writes, or did the word of God come originally from you 
or was it you only that it reached? If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you, notice these words, you may want to underscore them, are the commandments of the Lord, are the commandments of the Lord. So Paul's saying, Paul's saying to the congregation back in, in the days of Corinth, Paul's saying, if a person here in the congregation considers himself to be a prophet or even considers himself to be like a spiritual person, if they are truly a spiritual person, then they will definitely bear witness, they'll bear witness that what Paul has been saying has been under the inspiration of the Lord. It didn't originate with him. It didn't originate with with them, but it came directly from the Holy Spirit of God. And the book, uh, in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, all scripture, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And it is profitable, notice, profitable for what? For doctrine. Doctrine within a church is so important. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. For instruction in righteousness, even instruction in a church setting. God's word even provides instruction within the church setting so things can be done decently and within order because God's not a God of chaos. God's a God of peace. And, and it's just so important to, to realize that all scripture from Genesis to Revelation has been given um, by the Holy Spirit of God. And so Paul, Paul is saying, so if someone claims, someone um, claims that he's not teaching correctly, um, they, they ought to know, in fact, he is because he's teaching and he's reflecting the nature of Christ as the nature of Christ is not a God of confusion. Notice that with me in verse 33. Take a step back in verse 33. Notice what it says, for God is not the author of confusion, but what a peace as in all the churches and the saints. So in all the churches, all the churches back then and all the churches today, God does not want a, a crazy, chaotic conf, uh, a church full of confusion, but it, things should be done decently and in order. And we're going to see that in verse 40 in, in a couple minutes. Now, for a person to say that they, they are spiritually um, um, a spiritual person, um, people say that all the time, but it's not... Um, only if a person says that they're spiritual, that's important. What's important equally and importantly as well is that they're biblical too. Because there's, there's a lot of people that claim to be, I'm a spiritual, um, I'm a spiritual person. And, and yes, you are a spiritual person. We're made of our, our body. We, we know we have our body right here. We've got our body. We know we've got our mind. And we have our spirit. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We, we, we are spiritual people. But it's important to be spiritual people and biblical people too. Because a person could say, hey, I'm spiritual, and then go outside and hug trees. And um, I'm being one with the tree. Okay, or go out there and they're chasing squirrels. I want to be one with animals. Or I want to be one with um, bears. I want to be one. And, and they're just like, um, I want to connect with spirit. I'm, I'm a spiritual person. And I, w- I want to light candles. And, and I want to commune with spirits. And, and so there's people uh, that claim to um, be spiritual people. But I'm here to let you know sometimes they're not biblical people. And so whenever you have a spiritual experience, you need a scriptural support. Otherwise, it's subjective. Subjective based on you, not based on scripture. 
And so the scripture has to be the final authority. The scripture has to has to be the, 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 the final authority. It's so important. It's so important because this is a day and age where there's so many that, that claim spiritual revelations that contradict the Holy Scriptures. And, and God's word will always be superior. God's word will always be superior to people's emotions. God's word will always be superior to people's even experiences and any other um, biblical revelation. God's word has to be the final authority. God's word has to be the final authority. And may we never neglect or reject God's word, but embrace it, embrace it as the final authority. Now that that, that leads me to share this, and I've shared this before, but I think it just bears repetition at this point, that there are eight fundamentals of Christianity, eight fundamentals of Christianity, and God's word um, is the final authority, and that's the first point of the um, eight fundamentals of Christianity. Eight fundamentals of Christianity. For a person to say, I'm a Christian, which you're saying that you hold a fundamentals, which you say that you hold a doctrine, what are the eight doctrines of Christianity? What, there's, there's eight of them. There's not nine. There's not ten. There's not two. There's eight of them. And what are they? Well, number one, we hold the, the authority of the Scripture. So we don't hold to necessary man's opinions or, or feelings or emotion or they had this spiritual experience that they went, they left their body and they they, they, they hovered around and they, they hovered into in and out. Then they went over and went to Starbucks and had a coffee. And they came back and they came back in their body and were like, whoa, you had a spiritual experience there. And some people could be gullible and they're like, oh, wow, I, I want that, but I, I don't want to hover over in and out. I want to hover over Tommy's. <laughs> and so, but you know what? No, no, no. The, the, there's people that claim spiritual things, but it's not biblically sound. The, there has to be the final authority. There has to be, like in a, in, a, in a court case, there has to be the judge's final word, and the judge's final word is, is God. He's the judge, and um, and the word is the, the, the final say-so. And so a fundamental of Christianity is that the authority of Scripture has to be there. It has to be a scriptural support. Secondly, we, we believe that mankind's fallen condition, that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. So man's a sinner and we need a savior. And number three, we believe in the two natures of Christ, that, that Jesus Christ was, was fully God and yet fully man. Fully man, he slept, he was hungry, right? But fully God, he healed people. He, he raised the dead. And so his two, the two natures of Christ. Number four, we believe that salvation is by God's grace through faith. Mankind can't earn the salvation. You don't get brownie points for doing good things. We serve people. We have faith, and, and faith expresses itself through good works. We do good works, and so we glorify our Father in heaven, and we, we're different. We're salt, we have salt, and we have life, definitely. And, but salvation is free. When Jesus died upon the cross, what do you say upon the cross? Three words. It is finished. He didn't say, it is finished plus Plus, um, I, I, plus is going to cost 20,000 pesos. He didn't say that, you know, but, but salvation is free. And then uh, number five, we believe in the Trinity. There is God the Father, uh, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And number six, we believe that the atonement of Christ, that when Jesus died upon the cross, we we're at, at one minute with Christ. You could break up the word atonement into three words, at one minute. We're, we're one with the Lord because, because Christ lives inside of us. So when God sees us, he sees Jesus inside of us and our sins have been forgiven and and so we, we can 
come boldly to the throne room of God's grace and in the time of need, and we could cast our care to Him because we have access to Him. And so we're 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 with the Lord now. And then number seven, we believe that there is a heaven. We believe in that there is a hell. And none of you guys are going to be going to hell. You're going to heaven, right? <laughs> and so you are heaven bound. And, and lastly, we believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then uh, in a couple weeks, when the the rep is going to be here from Inspire Travel, uh, he apologizes greatly. Um, he was supposed to come today um, and give us a, an orientation a, after church, but uh, the schedule didn't permit that. So he'll be coming in a few weeks. And, and so when we go to Israel, you're going to see that the very place that biblical, biblical scholars believe that Jesus Christ actually rose uh, again, and they'll give you a biblical case for that as well. And and seeing that with your eyes is going to boost your faith, um, and um, it's going to solidify your faith even more so. And so so uh, so when we go to Israel, we'll, we'll be seeing that. And then um, now the fourth point, the fourth point that we're going to see in verse 38, the fourth point that we're going to see in verse 38 um, is um, bi- biblical knowledge provides understanding and wisdom. When we have biblical knowledge, we have um, understanding and we have wisdom. Notice that with me now in verse 38. Verse 38 says, but if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. Now, why would Paul write that? That sounds kind of harsh, huh? Why, why do we, would he say such a thing? Well, if, if people don't have biblical knowledge, they are considered to be ignorant. Now, the ignorant, that, that's kind of a um, hard word, harsh word. And let me share with you the definition of ignorant. Um, the word ignorant means to lack knowledge. To lack knowledge. That's, that sounds a little bit better, huh? To, to lack knowledge. And, and God says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. And we see that in, in, in the realm of religion, if you will, that there's a lot of people that they're perishing. They, they don't, they don't, they're not getting fed the word of God. They're not going through scripture. So scripture could go through them. And so, so scripture could shape their mind towards God and what God thinks. Their scripture can shape their heart to have the heart of God. And it's important to be um, in the word of God. And we have valve here at this church to go verse by verse through the scriptures. And it's just like if you would read any book. And so afterwards, you don't, you don't get a book and just kind of like open up in the middle and just point to a verse and read it, you know, half the chapter. No, you, you read it from the from one cover to the next cover. Um, and from one book, um, you start at the beginning, chapter one, and you go through chapter 15, like we're doing the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 16, rather. And so so we go through scripture. Why? So we don't be, we won't be ignorant. We would know God. And God wants us to know the Lord, he's our heavenly father. He's our Heavenly Father, and, he, and our Father wants us to know Him. You know, it, it, it will be a thing where I, I, have, I have children, I have a son, and I have a daughter. And it would be sad if they never knew me, that if they never had a relationship with me. Whereas a father, I want to love upon my kids. I want them to know my heart. I want them to know that, um, that I love them unconditionally that's my heart towards them but if they would never know that they would be living life without that knowledge and they could misread me who I am as their father I don't want that as an earthly father how much so our heavenly father he doesn't want us as his sons and his daughter to not know him how do we know about God it's important to know the nature of God the characteristics of God or it's called the attributes of God and I, I really believe to study the attributes of God is so important because that's who God is. God is kind. That's his attribute. God is loving. That's his attribute. God is just. God is faithful. God's a, his, your, a refuge. 
God's strength. The, those are so there, and there's so many, so many characteristics of God, and and you can see all those characteristics of God lived out in the Son of God. There's so many scriptures in the Bible that reflect Jesus living out the attributes of His Father. So you want to know how God is? Look at His Son. Look at His Son. You want to know how the Father is? Look at His Son. And then so when we study the Son of God, we're going to see the Father like, oh, you are so kind. And, and as Jesus said, it's a kindness that leads to your repentance. When, when Jesus called, called Matthew, he called him by his name, Matthew, come and follow me. He didn't call him and say, hey, you bum, you're a tax collector, you're taking advantage of people. No, he says, come follow me. And as you follow me, you're going to learn my ways. And my ways are going to become your ways. Zacchaeus, he was there on a, on a, on a tree, little Zacchaeus on a tree. And, and too, he took advantage of people. And then he got, got a hold of his heart. Now he started to bless people. And that's what he does. And, and so when we learn who God is through his son, Jesus Christ, and the attributes of God, it changes our way of thinking, it changes our heart, and it changes our behavior. And then people observe our behavior and just say, whoa, there is God, God lives. Some of you have seen that court case last week where um, a young man, 18 years old, and his unfortunately was a very, very sad case, heart-wrenching case. His brother was shot, unfortunately. Um, This lady um, lived next to him and thought she was going to... um, um, uh, her apartment. You guys heard about that that case? You guys said, okay. So, um, And so um, this young man, 18 years old, says, you know, I forgive you. And, and asked the judge if he could go and just hug her. And I haven't seen justice and mercy um, lived out like that in a very long time. Justice was served. She's doing time in jail. Justice was served. But mercy was served too. Love and mercy was served. And I just, it, it just embodied it all at the same time. And I, it, it blew me away. And I just thought, I want to be like that young man, 18 years old, right? And, um, and so, and, 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 and God wants us to, to know his judgment because um, there's, there's Christ-rejecting people. That's what they're called. And that's what they're called. They're called Christ-rejecting people. They just reject Christ because they want to give into their own selfishness and, and they, they want to develop their own moral code that they're comfortable with and they don't want scripture to point out their um, simple behavior because they want to continue to flirt with sin and have their pet sins. So that's how that goes. Um, but, but God wants to forgive sin because everyone has a hole in their heart and it's a, shot, a God-shaped hole and it can only be filled with Jesus Christ. And once a per- person bows their knee and surrenders to the Lord, then they start to live life and live life more abundantly. Then they realize I'm here to, to give and to serve others, not to take and, and be mean and take advantage of others. And so that's Christianity in action. And so we learn what it means to follow the Lord. And I, and I thank the Lord for, for those that are reflecting the Lord. And I think for many of you, I know many of you, and you are reflecting the Lord by your behavior. Continue because people watch you. People watch you um, because things are not only taught, they're caught. And so especially if you work in a, in a harsh work environment or a cold environment, um, um, you'd be like, yeah, preach it. I do. <laughs> you know, continue to be faithful. You're like, you're a pastor Joe. It's hard, man. Do you, you know the people that I work with? 
I think they're related to Satan. I really do. And I've said that before, but you know what? That's why before you go out, may you come into the throne room. And as you come into the throne room before you go outside and interact with them, that the Lord is just, you know, has prepared your heart. You have, you're filled with the power of his Holy Spirit. You're armored up. And then you go out there to fight those Goliaths in the power of his might. And only you can do it. You, you can't wear someone else's armor. You got to wear your own armor. And, and so you have to bow your knee before the Lord. Not that you have to. We get to do that. And so through Christ, we can do, we do all, all things. So... So the Lord doesn't want us to lack knowledge. God wants us to have knowledge. And then so we are so blessed with the scriptures that we can read. We're so blessed with, with websites we could go to to dig, dig deeper in doctrine. And, and even the, we have a Bible college here, which actually starts tonight, uh, uh, Old Testament survey. If you want to come, just come. <laughs> Get, be a part of it and um, see us af- afterwards. And Because we, we want you to be equipped. We want you to know the Lord more and more. And why is that? Because we don't want people to be vulnerable. Um, um, biblically, unbiblically um, taken advantage of because there's some crazy practices that take place within churches. And in the last days, um, in, in the book of 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, it speaks about in the last days, there's going to be many um, false messages out there, may, many false antichrists out there. And so it's important to be armed with truth and with scripture so you can be set free. In the book of 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, it says, Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be manifested, that none of them were of us. But you, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. There it is. You know all things. You, you have a biblical f- a worldview. You know the word of God. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is in the truth. So you know truth. So there's a presumption there that we are armed with truth. And it's so important to be armed with truth. Why? So we won't be ignorant. So we won't um, fall into lies or things that are, that are unbiblical. And, um, and God wants us to be set free. God wants us to be set free. And by the way, it, it was Jesus Christ that has liberated and set mankind free from women, from men, from Jew, from Greek. And they want to say, you know, who said the, the, the uh, who, who's the one that liberated woman, women? It was Jesus, actually. Um, Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 says that. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. But you are all, notice, one in Christ. It is the, it is the Lord that has set people free. Every walks of life, they're free, and they're free in Christ. Not in a program, not in a denomination, not in a pastor, but in a person named Jesus Christ. And then the fifth, and we're almost done, the fifth in verse 39. We have 39 in verse 40. Verse um, 39, the, the fifth point of instruction from Paul is to be a blessing to others, is to be a blessing to others. Notice that with me in verse 39. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy. And do not forbid, and do not forbid to speak with tongues. So when the church comes together, when the church comes together, Paul says it is far better. It's far better to be a blessing to, to someone else and therefore to, to prophesy. 
to prophesy more than the use of the gift of tongues. Now, why would that be? Why would it say it is more earnestly better to prophesy? Well, we looked at this before. Notice with me in chapter 14, verse 3. Chapter 14, verse 3, we learn of the benefits of prophecy. Notice chapter 14, 14 verse 3 says, But he who prophesies speaks, number one, edification, number two, exhortation, and number three, comfort. So, so it's better for a person to speak prophecy. What is prophecy? Prophecy is speaking the mind of God. You're speaking the, the, the words from God. And so it's better to, to know the word of God. And as you know the word of God or God's words, you're, you're going to be edified. You're going to be exhorted. And also, I love this one. You're going to receive comfort. There are some of us who need comfort. You want comfort? Hear from God through his word and you will receive comfort. You need to be exhorted. You need to be edified. Hear from God through his word and, and, and you will be. Now, now tongues, tongues are encouraged. Tongues are encouraged for, for one's personal devotional life. Notice with me in chapter 14, verse 2 and 4. Chapter 14, verses 2 and 4. Verse 2 says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. Now notice verse 4. He who speaks... In a tongue edifies himself, edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies who? The church, edifies the church. So it's better to uh, desire more, more earnestly for uh, prophecy. Why? Because the edification is for the entire body of Christ, for, for, for the church. And so the purpose of spiritual gifts, and especially for um, prophecy, is for edification. It's for edification for the people of God so they could be built up. They could be built up so, so a church can be ran in, in a decent, decent way and, and people can leave um, uplifted in the Lord. And, and so why, why is it important for people to exercise th their gift and do it decently and in order? And, and always remember when we exercise a gift, it's for God's glory and for others' benefits. It's for God's glory and for other people's benefit. Why? Because believers, we as people, we, we need to be benefited. We need to be encouraged. We need to be edified. We need comfort. Why do we need all that? Because some of us live in, in an environment that's full of tension. We live in an environment that's full of pressure. It's like you, you, you stepped out from this world of chaos that, that we, we live in. And, and chaos is not necessarily bad. It's just there's a lot going on. It's buzzing all the time, and there's so much occurring. There's pressures. There's tension. There's demands. There's stress. And, and so we come here to a church environment, and a church environment is an environment of refuge. A church environment is an environment of peace. A church environment is a place to, to get encouraged, to kind of get massaged. It's almost like a boxing match. You know, the, the, the boxer goes to his corner, and what happens? You know, you have someone there massaging him, encouraging him, speaking life into him. And then what does he do? He goes back there in the fight. The Christian likes the same way. You come here to the church, you get encouraged, you get edified, you get loved, you get built up, and then you go back to the battlefield, and then we'll see you on Thursday, and we'll see you on Sunday, and we'll encourage you more in the things of the Lord. And I pray every single time you come here, I pray every single time you come here, that you come here and that you would know that you are loved. That you would come here and you'll be built up in the in your faith in Jesus Christ. That you'll be taught the scriptures. That, that you'll be um, loved in the Lord. That you'll be equipped for, for works of service. And that you'll go out there and battle the enemy. And know that the victory has been won already because the victory has been won on the cross. And that Jesus is for you. He, and he loves you so much. And you are heaven bound. And you're going to heaven. And this world's going to pass soon and very soon. And you're going to go to heaven. And that's how it ends. And lastly, in verse um, 40, the sixth point that Paul provides to the Corinthians, 
verse 40, lastly, let all things be done decently in order. All things refers to a church service. Let all things be done decently in order. The Lord desires order when the church meets together. When, when people come together, there has to be order. Why? Because God's not a God of confusion. We already looked at that. God's not a God of confusion. God's a God of peace. God's a God of peace. And as Christians, we are to live orderly lives and not a disorderly life. We're to be orderly and not disorderly. And it's unfortunate sometimes when believers um, come together and they, they want to exercise their, their, their gift, but they draw attention to themselves. And it's not about edifying someone else, but it's about showing off. And, and so the only person that's supposed to be showed off is Jesus Christ. He's the one that's supposed to shine. He's the one that's supposed to, we both to point to because he's the one that, that loves us. He's the one that encourages us. And so, so maybe we edify others so people can go out and, and live out the two greatest commandments. The two greatest commandments um, is to love God and love other people. And then we will fulfill the greatest commission also. The greatest commission is to go out and tell people that there's a God in heaven that loves them unconditionally. And so may, may we keep, may we always keep our priorities straight. Always keep our priorities straight and, and, and uh, major on the scriptures and major on um, um, building people up. And one way that we could keep our priorities straight is coming back to the foot of the cross.